Job sits on an ash heap without children and wealth, covered in sores, and surrounded by friends who tell him it's all his fault. In a way, a lot has transpired between last week's reading in chapter one and two, and then this one. In another way, not much has changed. Job is still in the ash heap. The companions who sat in silence with Job for seven days, according to chapter two, verse 13, now can't seem to get it through their thick heads that silence is probably the way to go. They've accused him of terrible things. Their worldview threatened by his suffering. And they believe, after all, that suffering is always a result of sin. So they're trying to find some hidden sin in the innocent man to protect them from the threat of chaos that has just flooded him. And you know, we kind of do the same thing. We hear of a tragedy, and our gut reaction is often to reason to ourselves why it won't happen to us. One of the worst things I heard after Katrina was it was God's wrath upon the way the people were living there. We also hear, well, they decided to build in a floodplain. He wasn't watching the child closely enough. She lives in the wrong neighborhood. I've even heard it said it's because of the way he or she is dressed. And you know, this instinct kind of begins a little early. Even Addie, watching the news and hearing of a child affected in some way or another, her response is to say, well, it was a boy, right? Because apparently things can't happen to girls. We live in a world where we try to justify, where we try to write it off, where we try to see what's happening around us and say that it must be for some other reason. We live in a world much like Job crying out in this way and we don't understand what has taken place around us. We look to our left, we look to our right, we look in front, we look behind. We don't understand and we cannot see the hand of God at work. We see it in destruction we say it to ourselves in, mental, in met, medical crisis, in grief, in sorrow. We live in a world where injustice abounds and we cry out, why is anyone not doing something? When writing letter from a Birmingham jail, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. penned these words. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into abyss of injustice, where they experience the bleakness of corroding despair. You see, the power of his words flow like water spilling from a broken cup. The journey toward reconciliation and justice is marked by bouts of loneliness, criticism, violence. He records from prison the overwhelming amount of personal sacrifice he was willing to endure for the mere hope, the mere hope of securing a better future for all people. He wrote to his peers, pastors, ministers, community leaders, and public servants in the Birmingham area seeking 
their support and understanding because he felt their criticism and rejection. But you see, no one is exempt from feeling isolated or deserted. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to transform this dark world with the light of Christ. However, it's human nature to feel forsaken when we lack support and encouragement from others. And you know, like Dr. King, Jesus was no stranger to feeling deserted. While hanging on the cross, the mixture of blood and tears streamed from his body, and the passion of Christ is evident in his last cry, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? Why have you forsaken me? You can imagine the pain and agony, the measure of love it takes to sacrifice one's life for another. What does it feel like to be punished for the wrongdoing of others? Why would people risk their lives to make others free? And why must the cause of justice seem to demand such isolation? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Jesus and Job are leaders in our life that have faced feeling deserted. These men of morality show a level of leadership that many are unwilling to embrace. They're willing to risk their lives for the cause of integrity, for righteousness, and in pursuit of remaining committed to God. Our scripture today shows that that through it all, Job holds to his integrity. He knows that he's done nothing to deserve this suffering. In chapter 27, it says, far be it for me to say that you are right. Until I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach me for any of my days. We need to understand that the suffering, the isolation is not a result of sin as Job claims. This is a radical assertion in his day, an important one that we need to affirm today. To not base what we experience, what we go through, the life that is presented to us as something because of what we've done. Yes, if you stub your toe because you didn't turn on the light, that's something you could have done, right? But being diagnosed with cancer is not something that you have done. And the speeches of Job and his friends, they're repetitive and tedious. But even though they move the dialogue along, in chapter three, Job gets to the point in his life where he curses the day of his birth, wishing for death, wishing he'd never been born in the first place. And that death wish continues and it surfaces a few more times and throughout the book of Job. And he eventually comes and moves from wishing for death to wishing for justice. We hear that in the scripture today and I share with you again Job 23 verses three through seven. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his dwelling. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. 
I would learn what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No. But he would give heed to me. There an upright person could reason with him and I should be acquitted forever by my judge. This desire in Job finds the fullest in his speech throughout the book. And it comes to a a long oath of innocence, a call at the end for God to just answer him. Do you ever feel that way? God, just, just answer me. Why? Why is there injustice in the world? Why are people suffering today? Why are there blocks of homes destroyed because of a hurricane? Why, oh God? The book of Job presents this theological view of God that at times is contrary to the loving, caring, kind, and just God that is predominantly illustrated in our culture today. Job presents a God who allows suffering the lives of those who are righteous. Job discusses the problem of suffering and isolation at the hand of God and he explores the ramifications of what is just with the parameters of suffering without cause or sin. Job, as this character, is innocent. He's just and moral, and yet he suffers. He's deserted, condemned by friends and family, but without wrongdoing. Why would God do this to the innocent? We've been bookend in this series by storms that have come across, causing devastation and flooding in the Carolinas. And now we look upon our friends in the panhandle in southwest Georgia and know the destruction is very real. I've seen images where South Georgia, part of the Methodist Church and our connection, I'm, I'm more familiar with what they're experiencing but they're calling Donaldsonville kind of ground zero. The roof having trees through it in church. Colquitt dealing with flooding in its building. Many churches today without power and yet we are receiving a report that it doesn't require electricity to have the power of the Holy Spirit to worship. We gather today Dealing with our life circumstances, finding ourselves maybe in that ash heap of self with the physical wounds, maybe the grief of family, the wonder of future with wealth. But we also find ourselves in the midst of something where the world around us is in need of great support and yet people are isolated. They're standing alone on a hill willing to take a step and no one is listening. As Job asks and and petitions and calls out on his friends, they don't stand with Job. They reply that it's all his doing, his fault, what he's done. And while Job's words may be bitter, when he says that the heavy hand of God is on him, I think too many times we feel that heavy hand upon us as well wondering when there'll be a break, when the pressure will release, 
when someone will come in and lessen the fight that is within. And Job struggles, wondering if God is listening, even concerned with his argument or case. Job seeks God's relief and help. But yet in his scripture, when he feels utterly deserted, he seeks to discover God in the east and the west. He looks to the north and the south and he concludes that I don't see him. And I love the translations of these and how they phrase in the Hebrew because in verse eight, the use for word discover or perceive is really about understanding, considering, acknowledging, comprehending what God is doing. And then we see in verse nine, the word see, and that is physical sight, to look at, to inspect, to, to, to see with your eyes. What he's saying is because he cannot understand the mystery of why God has placed him here, the mystery of why he's going through what he's going through is so extreme and he doesn't understand that he cannot see the hand of God at work. Do you find yourself in that place? I think about the people of Haiti Knowing this morning as I came across the street, the caravan of our mission team was leaving to go to the airport. And they may find themselves, the people of Haiti, not knowing what's wrong with them, why they feel the way they feel, and if there will be any help. What sore they have, what problem they're experiencing. And through the the support of people here, they are going with the healing hand of God to Haiti to offer, offer something. And I pray that what goes before them with the healing in their bodies and their life, but it would go the hope of God that God would reach out their hand and they would understand that it is with love that God is reaching out and speaking to them. My sister-in-law's hometown is Panama City Beach. She was born and raised there until she went to college and her heart is broken. One for two days, she was not able to even contact or know of her brother's whereabouts and that about sent anyone into a frenzy. But she sent, since heard from him, and they are safe. They are without. They're without roof. They're without water, power, food. But she has called out to her friends asking if anyone is able to help because she was going to take some supplies and go down on Tuesday to help with the cleanup in some areas. This is a mother of three children and she's going to help. She had so much response in one day from the people in this area that she's had to change her vehicle of mode of transportation, one that will allow a hookup and a large trailer 
because people are responding. But we respond with hope that people could understand and see God at work. That through the provisions that are given, that they would see and experience the presence of God. When we look at the injustice in the world and we see people taking a stand, no matter what color, what gender, what sexual orientation, when people are standing up for the rights of individuals to experience life, we invite others to just join in, that there would be no persecution, that we could come and experience love and life in this world. Because when we can't understand what God is doing, we can't see the hand of God at work. And even though the words of Job may be bitter, despairing, we can see God. May we not ever find ourselves where we look to the east and west, to the north and south, and not see God. We see God in this place, in the worship and our singing, and our scripture, and our fellowship, and our giving. We see God at work, and our children, and our youth. We see God in our missions, and our service. We can see God because we can understand that as the children of God, we are called to serve. We are not deserted, we are not alone. We rest in our hope secure of what God is doing. We need to live in such a way that others can understand God. The great mystery of what God is and not feel deserted, not feel alone, but able to stand in the presence that their creator would shower upon them with love. One of the things that challenged me in this story and in the reading is that Job's friends never went before the throne of God asking for God to release Job. Job's friends never went and prayed for Job. They continued to say, it must have been something you've done. One of my favorite things about Pittman Park is our prayer concerns. And more than just words printed on a page, I've been on the receiving end of the phone where people call and ask for details, specifics. And I know that you are approaching the throne of God on behalf of these individuals, these names, these loved ones, these who we call friends and family. We reach out to God knowing that God is speaking in and through us and God hears our prayer. I love, while Job dwells in the depths of his despair, in the midst of his despair, he addresses God and he asks God, he almost demands God to answer him. He holds on no matter what to the hope that God is there, a fierce hope that is indeed born in him. We hear it in Job 19, I know that my redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth 
And after my skin has been destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side. My eyes shall behold and not another. You see, even in the depths, even in the darkest, even in the most pain that Job experiences, his hope is that God is on his side. Job maintains hope even when he cannot see. Hope is the assurance in God even when God's justice is elusive and God's presence is a mystery. Hope in this sense is not the belief or an expectation. Hope is something that we live for, we strive for, we long for. Not just for ourselves, but for others as well. Job hopes for justice and hopes for God even when he cannot exclusively see God and justice in his current state. In the letter from a Birmingham jail, Dr. King states, I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham, even if our motives are presently misunderstood. We will reach the goal of freedom in Birmingham and all over the nation because the goal of America is freedom. There will be moments when justice seems to be eluded by divine indifference. And during the time we feel deserted, may we hold fast to hope because though we cannot see, God is present in our hope and justice will be attained and God will be beside us every step of the way. May we reach out and be the hope for others. May we reach out and stop injustice in his tracks. May we reach out and be the hands and feet of Christ in a world that finds itself on the ash heap needing to know where is God. The mystery is in this world but can we show others the love of God this day and every day? Will you join me as we pray? God, we find ourselves here and now at times wondering where you are, wondering where you are in our health crisis, wondering where you are in our grief and loss, wondering where you are in the destruction of those around us, and the injustice that surrounds us today. God, let your hope speak secure in our lives. That when we don't understand, when we don't see, we rest in you. We know that you will show yourself, that you will provide for us, that you will speak into our lives and we reach out and pray for others as we reach out to serve others, as we reach out with your love to help others see. And it's through our hope and faith in you that we serve, that we give, that we honor your presence among us. We've gone through the time of feeling deserted. We know your presence here and now. Guide us to experience your love and to know the glory that shines for us as we rest secure in our hope of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.